Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. Today is uh, 4th of July weekend, and so here in New Smyrna Beach, man, there's so many people in town, uh, but I also know that there's so many people that are going to be tuning in online, because as we celebrate Independence Day, uh, man, we celebrate it in the best way that I know how Americans know how to celebrate, right? We we celebrate uh, going out on boats, we celebrate it uh, with barbecue, uh, we celebrate it. Uh, by the end of the day, we get together and blow a bunch of stuff up, right? That's pretty, that's worth celebrating, right? That's how Americans should celebrate. And so, um, for my family and our staff to you, I want to say Happy Independence Day to you. Uh, I also want to let you know, man, be careful here this, uh, this holiday weekend, this long weekend. Uh, man, I know there's a lot of people in town, people's tensions and and uh, frustrations levels get pretty high. People don't pay as much attention and stuff. And so just be real careful and safe. Uh, but I hope that we have a fun time celebrating uh, with one another uh, the birth of America, right? Uh, and so with that, I'll tell you what, before we jump in, let's stand up all across this place. High five, like maybe 10 to 12 people, maybe three or four people. High five, and I feel that's a very American thing to do. High five three or four people, introduce yourself and say happy Independence Day. So today, um, as uh, was this weekend, we celebrate our Independence Day. Man, I, I, I scr- was scratching my head this week trying to figure out what should I preach on. What's the thing to preach on? And uh, and so today, uh, I'm going to. Uh, I've I've entitled this message. If it were to have a title, "One Nation Under God." One Nation Under God. And where you get that from? You've heard that in the past because as we grew up. Uh, going to school, I remember even myself as a young man going to school, we all learned this phrase in the Pledge of Allegiance, right? It says, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, for, to the one republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Anybody ever said that before? Three or four people, good. Yeah. I was a little worried when I got up here that I was going to forget it, which I was like, this is terrible, this is not American. Um, but I, I remember it because it was something that we did for many times, and I also do it because I also remember because uh, of all the subjects in school that we had, there was one subject that I liked above the rest of them, and that was American history. How many of you guys remember back to uh, going through American history class? Yeah, it was a good time, right? I didn't have a good time in subjects like algebra, okay? Algebra was not was not for me. English, I still struggle with the English language today. I remember the algebra teacher, Mr. Ethan, he was a good dude. Uh, he said, you know, I said, why can't we use these calculators on the tests? And he says, Brian, 
It's like you're never going to be in a situation in the real world where you have a calculator with you. And today, Mr. Ethan, you're wrong. I use this thing every day because my math skills are terrible. I use this calculator all the time. But one class I did like was American history. Mr. Heckman's class, uh, he was incredibly passionate about history. You saw it in the way that he taught. But the stories that he taught, taught about were captivating. It was this thing where you hear about these men that are going through this incredible adventure of life, starting something from scratch. They're going out into the wilderness, and they're, they're developing these, these lands no one has gone before them. Even to the point of when it comes to separating from England, you've got these group of men that stand on a belief that what they're doing is right, and they no longer want to be held by some, by, by, and captive by somebody else. They want to stand up for what they believe, for the, the freedom to worship where they want, the way they want to worship, the freedom to, to, to represent themselves. And there's something to me as just as a hardworking uh, American man that like I connect with that adventure, to want to go out and experience that, to want to go out and, and, and to, 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 to connect with things and challenge things that are maybe have never been challenged, challenged before. And when I think of these stories, it kind of reminds me a little bit of a story in the Bible you might have heard of uh, before, uh, the, this group of people in the Old Testament called the Israelites. Now, the Israelites uh, in the book of Exodus were actually held captive by the nation of Egypt. The Egyptians had used them as their slave workforce for many, many generations. They were the ones that built their buildings and built bricks and developed their lands and farmed. They were, uh, they were definitely uh, under oppression by the Egyptians. And in the book of Exodus, we read that, that God sends a man named Moses to Egypt, and he gathers the, 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 the Israelites together, and he brings them out of their bondage into freedom. And he all does it through the power of God. God tells him, here's the plan. God gives him power above his ability. God allows signs and wonders to be used through him. But the, there's this incredible story of these Israelites coming out of Egypt, experiencing freedom and going through into the promised land. But it's not something that happened overnight. And when I read the story, when I look back into the, the Bible and I read these, this pas these passages, we come upon a guy by the name of Joshua. Now, Joshua was the man that actually led the Israelites into the promised land. He was the one that took over after Moses had passed away. Joshua, at the end of his life, as he succeeded in this plan of, of freeing the Israelites, of them going into the promised land, as it, at the end of his life, he gets up, before the nation of Israel, and he lists off the so many things that God had done, that God allowed, had allowed miracles to happen through Moses, that God had supernaturally uh, made Pharaoh uh, be soft-hearted because of what had happened, that God had allowed the Red Sea to part so that they could cross in. As he lists off these things, as they're in the promise, he gets to the end of it, and he says this. He says, now when it comes to you, individually as a nation, or as a nation, you have to decide 
who you will serve. You have to decide who is going to be Lord over your life. You have to decide who's going to be number one. He says, you have got to decide today who you're going to serve. And he steps back and he says, not as the leader, but just as a man, he says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He makes this, makes this great statement in which he says, I'm not putting myself first. I'm not putting any other God first. I'm not putting my, anything that I value first. I'm not putting money first or my home first or my, my possessions, my toys, or my loved ones. He says, when it comes to my home, all of it, I'm going to be under God. And today as we celebrate, or this weekend as we celebrate our Independence Day, I want to challenge you with the question of, who do you serve? Who's Lord over your life? Now, the Christian answer, the Bible, you know, the, the Sunday Bible school answer is to say, well, God, of course, Brian. And, and I would say even, even as a pastor, I'm going to tell you, I can see in our culture and even my life, it's one of these things that, that we give so much time to so many different things that if we were to stop and look at it, it's easy to say, God, you are Lord of my life. But I want to challenge you to question that, to look into it, to audit it, if you will. Is God the Lord of your life? We've got so many things that, that come after our attention, want our focus, even, even when it comes to our families and our kids, right? We've got social media, Instagram and Facebook or FaceSpace or whatever, whatever the new thing is now, Snapchat, I don't, I don't know anything about that stuff. Whatever else is new, my, my kids are going to have to tell me about it. Get that stuff. You got uh, work uh, obligations that we got to deal with. We got uh, the news. We got politics. And the funny thing is, like, if, if you watch the news, specifically even about politics, and, and I don't know what side, if you're on the left side or the right side, or it doesn't matter, I'm, I'm on God's side, and so his side is all the sides, and that's who I'm going to pay attention to and trust. I'm not going to pay attention to these other guys. But whether you watch the, the right or the left, it's funny, like, none of them report, like, good news, right? It's always like the world is ending or this incredibly crazy thing has happened or the other side is crazy, right? That's just, that's, they're, all saying the, they're all saying the same thing. We've gotten to a point where the world and our culture is so after our attention that, that I think as followers of Christ, we've got to step back sometimes and say, you know what? Who's Lord over my life? And ultimately, what it comes down to is, as Christ followers, we judge that based off of who we're following and who we're acting like, how we are doing life. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, 14 to 16. He says, this is how you should live. He says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds, let's focus on this part, verse 16, let, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out before you for all to see that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. What Jesus is saying here is it's, it's not what you identify as that matters as much 
is how you act and what you do in real life. It's not about your political affiliation. It's not about the church shirt that you're wearing or the bumper sticker that you have on the back of your car. It's just the way that you act, the way that you treat the people around you matters way more than these things. The way we treat our neighbors, I believe, is incredibly important. I don't, I don't talk about politics much uh, from the stage because I, I don't think that this is the place for it. If we ever get to a point where there's a sin issue involved, I'd be happy to, to talk about it. But I'm not a politician, so you're not going to hear it. But I do see this when it comes to uh, troublesome issues we face in politics. There's so much polarization that, that at times it creates separation in our community. Sometimes it creates separation in the church. And when I see Jesus say things like we're supposed to love our neighbor, how they're going to see Jesus by the way that we love one another, it, it's tough to see how we focus so much on this one area that is so divisive. When I think that really what Jesus is trying to say is, who do you serve? Who do you focus on? What, what are you going to focus on? How are you going to direct your life. Jesus continues to communicate this in uh, his, his Sermon on the Mount. This is still Matthew chapter 5, now in verse 43. He said this, he says, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. He says, you love those, only those that love you. What reward is it for that? He says, even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even the pagans do that. I can't help but think that uh, this holiday weekend as we're hanging out on the beach or uh, as we're having dinner with uh, our family, there's going to come opportunity where we're going to see people that have different opinions than what we have about things. And the thing that I love about American history is I feel like sometimes when you look back at the different generations, you see that there was a time in which having a, different of a difference of opinion was okay. That, that we didn't live in a world where you got to beat someone over the head if they think differently than you do. They just think differently. They have a difference of opinion. And that's okay. But my hope is, is that as you experience that, that time of maybe tension or or frustration in, in this weekend or this week to come, that rather than go down the road of divisiveness, divisiveness or division, that we see it as an opportunity to continue to extend the love of Christ to those that he has put in our path. I feel like sometimes God shows me uh, more about how not to act than how to act, specifically when I go to the New Smyrna Beach boat ramp. I went this past, I went yesterday, Eric and I did. We go and we get 7-Eleven Slurpees, we hang out there with the kids, 
kids go look for crabs and we look at boats coming in. The last time we did this a couple weeks back, there was a fist fight that happened on the lawn just like next to us. I was like, okay, kids, this is not how we treat people. And I, I thought for sure, there's no way that happens two times in a row. Sure enough, we go yesterday and like, here's two grown men bigger than me, like, and older than me, and they're out here cussing in the parking lot, yelling at each other, chasing each other around in flip-flops, looking like a bunch of idiots. And I think to myself, I'm like, that, that's not how we get a, that's not how the world should treat one another. If they, if they would just, if at some point love was inserted, if at some point grace and mercy was a part of it, then, then the world would change in a completely better way. But it's not something we have right now. Real quick, I gotta pause, pause the sermon. I'm gonna confess sin for a second from the stage. We'll go back to the sermon. At some point in the past couple weeks, I uh, was with my kids and I said something about, to the, to the topic of people on jet skis are stupid. And I'm sorry, if you own a jet ski, I apologize. And my kids totally threw me under the bus because as we passed this guy in a jet ski the other day, hey, look at that stupid guy. Thanks, Ben, throwing me right under the bus. So anyways, I apologize that I spoke negatively about you and your jet ski. Okay, you keep doing you. Back to the sermon. Grace and mercy, I think, goes, goes a long way. It's not easy, though. This is not an easy thing to do. I'm not preaching anything that's like, if you just love each other, everything would be all right. Because it takes effort. It takes work. But when I think about the American way, I think that part of we, the way we got here to where we're at right now it's because of hard work, because of sweat equity, because we weren't afraid to do something different than what the world, the rest of the world said we were supposed to do. There was a group of men that weren't afraid to put their name to something and say, hey, we're gonna do it differently. Matthew chapter seven, verse 12, Jesus says this. He says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Jesus tells him, he says, like, this is, this is all summed up. If you were to take all the laws and put them together, he says this. He said, treat other people the way that you would want to be treated. Being in the middle of summertime, uh, I've experienced this even with my own kids. Um, I love summer because it's, it's, it's such a roller coaster of of emotions, right? And it also helps that it feels like it's like 130 degrees outside, right? That doesn't get anyone's tension or stresses going at all, right? I, I'm telling you, this past week I sweated from places I didn't even know I had. It's, it's crazy how humid it is. <clears throat> but when it comes to my kids during the summertime, we have these fantastic moments where we're wrestling in the bed, where we're loving on each other, where we go down to the beach, we have a good time, it smiles, we all, we all go play hooky from work and, and get a Slurpee or something like that. And it's mixed in with times where I swear my kids are trying out for the UCF, for UFC, not UCF, that's, what's that? Central Florida, University of Central Florida. They're not trying out for University of Central Florida. They're trying out for Fight Club is what it is, right? They're literally, like, like at some point I came in the room and like, 
Ben's got a fistful of hair, and Olivia's like dropping an elbow on Ben, and it's like, will you guys please chill out? We just love each other. I feel like that's sometimes how God feels about us as children, that we get to a point where as husbands and wives, we're fighting with one another, and we've, we've gotten to a point where rather than saying we're under God, we step out for a moment and we put our own desires and what we want and our own opinions above everything else. And we say, we're Lord of our own life. And those are the times I believe that we can get in the worst trouble. So I wanna challenge you today that when it comes to living a life, one nation under God, to remember this, one nation means that we're, we're supposed to be doing this together. We're all in this adventure of life together. And if we're all on the same team, if we're all part of the same family, that means we're supposed to love one another, we're supposed to help each other out. So I wanna challenge you to, to do that some way this week. One nation living in unity under God. Ask yourself, who is the Lord of your life? You know, we started off, I recited the Pledge of Allegiance. And uh, when I looked into it this past week, when I did some research, I thought the Pledge of Allegiance had just come like, you know, we're doing this, we're doing the Declaration of Independence. Okay, let's make up the Pledge of Allegiance. That's not the case. Uh, come to find out the, the Pledge of Allegiance came into effect somewhere in, in the late, like, 1800s, almost 1900s. And the Pledge of Allegiance that was originally written is uh, quite a bit different than what we say now. The part of, uh, that says one nation under God was actually brought in sometime around 1960 by President Dwight D. Eisenhower. He wrote a bill into effect that said that when it comes to this pledge of allegiance, this pledge to the, the flag that we put in this part, one nation in unity under God, submitting to him. And what I thought was cool about that is, is this is quite a bit into American history down the road. Things, at some point, things got to a point where, where there needed to be an adjustment where there needed to be a little bit of space made to, to put this, this phrase in that, that communicates the heart behind what our country should be. And I thought maybe, maybe we're in a time in our own lives where we need to make that adjustment ourselves. Maybe there's, there's an, an opportunity to open some things up, to make, make room and let God or let the Holy Spirit come in and adjust our hearts just a little bit to turn some things around where maybe our priorities are in line with what they should be, where we care about those that are around us and we submit not to ourselves, not to politics, not to news, not to financial gain, not to our jobs, but, but, but first and foremost, under God. I'm going to leave you with this. It's a Proverbs in chapter 3, verse 5 through 6. It says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. 
Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. I'm going to tell you right now, my life under God is far better than my life under me. And so today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one look around, I want to challenge you with this. If you're here today and you say, Brian, I've gotten to a point in my own life where I've put myself as God. Myself is number one. I've allowed these other things to creep up and take priority over what God wants in my life. And today, I want to open up and make an adjustment to live under him. As a sign of surrender to him, no one's looking around. This is just between you and him. If you're here today and you want that adjustment to happen, if you want to say, God, I want to live under your authority. I want to do what you would have me do. I want you to adjust me in these situations to love those that are around me. If that's you, I just want you to raise a hand up and put it right back down. Heavenly Father, you've seen all the hands that have been raised. You know the areas that we struggle in. You know the times where it's hard for us to love those that are around us. I pray that right now in this moment that you would come down, your Holy Spirit would have your hand on our hearts, that you would adjust us and make room for mercy and grace, for love. I pray that in the moments in which we feel the most tension and frustration for those around us, that you would redirect us and allow us to be a light in a dark world. And that as we go through this adventure of life, as we travel a road that is not easily traveled, as we blaze the way, that you would have your way in us, that you would have your way in our world, that you would make a way for our children that are coming behind us. God, I know that as I live my life under you, as I continue to pursue you, as I submit myself to you, I know the best is still yet to come, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.